666 the devil's episode yes the devil's episode and it's it no let me tell you i'm mad you're mad interesting well i'm i'm heated i got got some heat all right (laughs) i'm heated i'm so i'm mad it was all right hold on i'm pete this is josh pedro boys all right let's 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 go okay I've got what? some stuff to talk about before we get into the episode. Uh, I'm so mad. All right. And it seems yeah. like you're mad about the episode, maybe. But I have a thing. And that is a teaser, yeah. this is, fans. Now we're going to get to what Josh wants to talk about. has been the most that Star Wars has been in my life since we were at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. And that was last mm-hmm. year? Yeah. Last April, I think. <laughs> that was last um, last so, April. Yep. Um. There is a Star Wars RPG akin to Dungeons and Dragons. It was made by West End Games. Yeah, you know, a little bit of LARPing. No, that's LARPing. This is RPGs. Um, and they recently released an anniversary edition of this. So this was like very early days in Star Wars. I want to say it was before Empire Strikes Back. Don't quote me on that. But it's very early days in Star Wars. So it was like one of the earlier iterations of expanding the universe, just based on the first movie. So stuff like The Inquisitors... That comes from this source book for this RPG. Oh, really? Like they had okay. to come up with an evil counterpart for the Jedi if people wanted to be bad guys, but still have a lightsaber and stuff like that. Um, and like in Star Wars Rebels, they have that big ship that has a gravity well that can shuck, suck ships out of hyperspace. That's from this as well. So I've been eyeballing. Oh, really? Wasn't that from? Clo- I thought that was from Clone Wars. No, it was Rebels. no, that was the EPM. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So, and they recently released like an anniversary edition of it, like a year ago or, or so. And I've sort of been eyeing it back and forth. Okay. Right? And I had it in my card in Amazon because then when you check it, you'll get a notification of the price change. And this is retail for 60 bucks, which is like, I'm not going to pay that. This is preposterous. I'm a grown Well, boy. I mean, 60 bucks, that's, that's a video game. Sure. Okay. Now, do, do you get the same entertainment from a video game as this? Maybe, but. That's something that each consumer has Absolutely. to make. Absolutely. And for the completionists out there or for people who played the game when it came out, I totally understand. I don't begrudge it at $60 price point. That's just not what I'm going to pay, right? Last no, week. Absolutely not. Around Monday, this bad boy clocks in at $54.99. And I'm thinking, hmm, I'm going to I'm gonna okay. have, to, have to pay attention to this. Pete, <laughs> every 15 minutes... For all of last week, the price of this book went down by two to eight cents <laughs> every fifteen minutes. And I okay. was like, if this gets to thirty bucks and any you know below thirty one dollars, I have to buy this book. I gotta do it. Yeah. And Thursday evening, I think, it gets to like $30.98. But at this point, I'm four days in and like clockwork, Pete, every 15 minutes is going down by two to eight cents. And I'm just like, I got to ride this as far as it can go. I can't get off the train now. I'm, I'm committed. I can't get off this train. I can't buy it at 30 bucks. It gets down 
on Saturday. And then Saturday evening, I check again, 36 bucks. But since then, it has again begun to go down by two to eight cents every 15 minutes. And so I am sick of this game. And I'm going to check what it is on Amazon right now. And I'm going to buy it. Buy it on the pod? I've had it. All right. The suspense is killing me. For items in your cart, $31.11. You know what? Freaking whatever is happening. It is happening. But Pete, I know you dabble in stocks, so I figured you could relate to this. Yeah, and um, Josh and I are not technically... Um, licensed financial planners. So grain of salt to the grain of salt. But I, Josh, I, I, I think you can see the appeal and horror of investing in the stock market, mm-hmm. um, which is not, you know, Josh, you're a person and I too oh, am like this. You invest, in, you invest in yourself because you, you see the gains. Oh yeah. And but, it's, Cause don't get me wrong right now. The missus and I have a cocktail party. People are over. Movers and shakers. We're enjoying. Oh, 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 oh. listeners, listeners. So people are over, but this is it's under the. I'm not talking about right now. Oh, I'm okay. I'm not talking about right now. We're not okay. having a party right now, but under normal circumstances. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Theoretical party. Yeah. In 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 no pandemic. Times. Okay. I'm okay. I'm a porch of simpler times. Everybody's over. I've got my pinky out. I'm drinking like a classy drink. Movers and shakers. You know, Marty is there. Steven is there. You know, maybe I'm talking to Jordan Peele about his next um, adventure in, in thrills. And the Inquisitors come up. And ordinarily, I think, oh, well, did you know that that's actually from the RPG? And then they go like, prove it. Uh, I got nothing. But... Because you heard it here first, listener. Because I invested in my self. And I got this. Star Wars Mustang Games. Anniversary version of this rule book. I will be able to say, aha! Look here. I'm, I'm happy for Let you. Let me open this book up that I've never read. That's on the shelf. And I'll go to index. And I'll go under I on my Inquisitors. And I'll point to that. And there will be... And that's why it's important to invest in yourself. And all right, two two comments on that. One is it's so sad that we live in the society where somebody says, "If you can't physically show me the book, I don't believe you." Yeah, hardcover books like, or it you, didn't we, happen. And we've heard it. A we have to times. go to these lengths just to prove to Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Seriously, mm-hmm. like you know better. Mm-hmm. Hypothetical Jordan Hypothetical Peele. Hypothetical Jordan Peele. Hypothetical get together. The second thing, and this is a test to whether or not our family members listen to the pod. Yeah. What I would really like as a gift. Oh, speaking of oh, Star Wars. Great. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of Star Wars gifts mm. is, and I don't know if this exists. So like, you know, if somebody in my family is listening and they still can't find it, I'm not going to be super upset, mm-hmm. but I can't wait um, to see this and own it of a, um, visual like a picture book of all of the end credits for the mandalorian it's 
Hilarious that you should mention that, Pete, because guess what just came in the mail this week is part of Mandalorian season one book that just came out on the 1st of December. I just got it in the mail, and it's all the concept art and stuff for that. And does it include all of the... So I guess it it does include the concept art. Okay, I'm I'm sure. sure, sure. I'm I'm reading another book right now. I'm trying to be like, all right, I'm reading like a fiction, like a novel. Let's finish this before I read my Green Lantern comic and my Star Wars art book. But hopefully next episode, I I hope to have um, perused that bad boy. I've never understood the concept of a coffee table book. Because it's like neither. I have a coffee table, but none of my books are on them. But that would be the first one that I would envision. Like, oh, this is a coffee table book. You know, you're just at the coffee table, and you're like, oh, what's this book here? And then you're like, oh my gosh, we're being transported from world after world after world. <laughs> it's the quintessential yes, one. So quintessential family members. Mm-hmm. Oh, and fans. All right. All right. Um, so, so no. you know, Pete, Pete's family out there, I believe you are looking for the art of Star Wars, Ugh, the Mandalorian. Let me give him the author for you, Pete, because I care about you. I'll show much. it. In, uh, no, I'll post the link in the show notes. Yeah. Written by Phil Zostak, who also wrote at least the art of Rise of Skywalker. Maybe some of the. Yeah, he's written. wrote the art of Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker, Art of Solo, Art of Last Jedi. And Art of Force Awakens. He didn't write the Art of Rogue One. But all those Art of... I, I love his Art of books so much. They're one of my favorite behind-the-scenes um, kind of movie-making features. The I famously mentioned that I really ultimately ended up not caring for the Art of Star Wars Rebels. This is a totally different format, totally different type of thing. Can't, I haven't read the Mandalorian one yet, but I guarantee you I'm going to love it. The guy's great, and it's a lot of cool behind-the-scenes and uh, pre-production stuff. Speaking of great, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of news. Uh Uh-oh. Recently, um, Diego Luna, um, who's, you know, a friend and really cool person, Mm -hmm. he was on Jimmy Kimmel, and he was um, saying that he is in London right now um, filming for the casting and or TV show. Excellent. So that's some some pretty cool things that are happening. Another (laughs) spinoff. Of our, of both. Uh, Diego Boys needs to start soon. I I mean I'm gonna enjoy it for sure. Yeah. Uh, it to, is interesting to note that, and let's I'll leave the speculating there. I I don't know where Johnny F has been um, filming. Like where is the volume? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's in London. I don't. Have you heard? I only figured out today there's this, there's been a story about the Kenobi show and where that is filming. Have you heard this story yet? No, I haven't. So last week the news broke that Kenobi was going to be filming in Boston. Just like <laughs> what? Okay. And so for a full week it was like all these like Patriots, Star Wars, Red Sox, Baston, Sam Adams jokes. And then today it came out that it was Boston, England. That is hilarious. It is. And okay. you can tell based on your reaction that it was really funny. I just do not. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to isolate people from uh, exclude people from the pod. So that's, um, you know, we'll get to that stuff. Um, Josh, this point last year, um, we were um, 
pod pods blazing. You're on a different pod service. Oh my god! Um, we right. were podding um, twice a week. Yeah, we were very very excited for episode nine. Man. What a year! It hasn't even what been a year. a year since Resistance ended, and this was our Resistance podcast. That's crazy to think about because I I I several times this week thought it's insane that it's already December, but I hadn't thought about it in that context. That's that's wild. Well, it's also it's it was such a end note, you know, a final yeah. end note mm-hmm. to nine um nine movies, mm-hmm. um the Skywalker saga and it 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 held a lot of weight which made, you know, the issues that people had with it so much more painful. Yeah. Um for sure like if, you know, they don't have the same pain for 7 or 8. Mhm just because of the finality of it. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, um, all of my feelings don't even pale in comparison to the level of anger that I have with this week's episode. That's right. And going from my most recent star Wars purchase, which just occurred live on Pedro boys. Um, so that's gotta, you be heard it here first. Of, yeah. That's going to be some kind of draw, right? There's going to be a bunch of thing pieces about that. That's going to be a big deal that I did that. Um, going back all the way to what I was just thinking about it before we recorded, but I've been a Star Wars fan since I saw Star Wars, which was when I was probably five at my, at my grandparents' place. I saw Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars has always been a part of my life and I've always enjoyed it. But my real like, oh, I'm a dork who's gonna have a Star Wars podcast. That didn't happen until I got into college and I met my girlfriend and she also likes Star Wars and it kind of became a, a bit of an echo chamber, I guess. And I really got very passionate about Star Wars. And looking back on it, I realized that probably the first purchase I made that was like, oh, yeah, you're, you've kind of graduated to maybe another level of this where Star Wars isn't just something that you are like aware of and like was uh, Echo, the clothing, the clothing company, had the Star Wars license for a while. And they made a Boba Fett hoodie. And it's like Boba Fett's armor, but it's not just, I'm not trying to brag or whatever, but it's not just printed on a hoodie. It's like sewn in and the different patches and shapes on the armor are like different pieces of fabric. It's, it's a really cool hoodie. I really enjoy it. I got it a little big for me at the time and it's still a little big for me. But recently, I guess after the premiere, I dusted that bad boy off and then started wearing it again because it's getting a little chilly in these parts and every Friday when I go out to walk the dog, I put it on and I think to myself, other people have watched this show already. Cause I have to wait for my girlfriend to get home. You watch it first thing in the morning. I don't watch it till the evening. So all day Friday, I'm on like media blackout. And this Friday I put that on and I went to go pick up food in the back of my head. I'm like, I dare them to mention the Mandalorian. I mean, they're going to see my hoodie and be like, Oh, did you see this or whatever? And it felt like, living dangerously and boy little did i freaking know wow 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 what an episode to not have seen to be wearing that hoodie out in public yeah um that is a very bold move for you to do because of how much you hate i don't know if you saw earlier this episode i bought the um stars rpg book on the air I didn't because you boycott us doing a live face-to-face Zoom um, episode. Um, so I don't like the I way you not... look at me. 
All right, let's uh, <laughs> move from there. This this episode, I mean, when we talk about, and I feel like there's been a lot of anxiety on this pod the last three, four episodes, mm-hmm. at least on my end of like, oh my God, they're going to introduce Ahsoka and then kill her. I can't believe they're doing that. Yep. Oh, they introduced that little Yanni is the reason Snoke exists. They're going to kill little Yanni. Sorry. Grogu. Um, they're going to, you know, take oh, out Grogu. Grim. And this is, this is the worst, you know, worst, um, worst fear. You know, it definitely has a, um, what is it? Is it end game is first or infinity war is first. Infinity war. Infinity war has an infinity war vibe near the end where everything's kind of like, you know, not, uh, there's no hope. And it's like, <laughs> what's happening? Like Bill Burr is the person, sorry, spoilers oh for this episode. Um, yeah, they were like, like I look when this big reveal happens and Boba Fett shows back in his armor, it was just like, Oh, there are so many, I don't know, 50 year old men losing it right now. Like it's, I can't think of another moment in popular culture that I've ever seen where I was just like, this just a, a demographic of people are going into a fanatic seizing right now over what they're seeing. Well, here, and well, it was like, okay. they had to do that. They had to give all that. And we'll call it fancers. That has a negative connotation. I don't mean it that way. But just like so much fan pleasing stuff, and then they snuck it in there like nasty vegetables. Oh, and they were bringing back Bill Burr. <laughs> oh yeah, I um, have no problem with Bill Burr, but Pete and I, I think, have both been pretty vocal about not enjoying that episode or that crew, or Bill Burr. So, <laughs> with that being said, um, Wikipedia divides this into uh, six sections. We don't, I guess we can do the we same really thing. Need, we don't need to go through this plot, right? Like, we can talk about what we're talking about. I mean, listen, if they've seen it, they don't need a plot synopsis. Not of this episode. So, n- number one, Journey to Tython. Oh, great. The only Look, cool... So listen, last week... Yeah. Last week, I feel like all these big, exciting episodes of Mandalorian tend to elicit vocal responses from me. So, like, when I was watching last week's episode with the debut, live-action debut of Ahsoka Tano, I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, over and over and over again. This week, over and over and over again. Uh, I just want to read a quote that I made a point of writing down when I had my second viewing today. You did good. You're very special, kid. This week's episode, the motto, the mantra that I kept saying out loud was oh pete's crying right now it was deflating it was honestly deflating and here's the thing too because and listeners we don't talk a a ton about our personal lives but um that day i had to get seven forms signed um for me to finalize my phd we won't talk about that anymore and then i had (laughs) i had school i had classes and then i had um tournaments i had two tournaments one that was starting that day fighting tournaments so i started you know lifting tournaments so i started the day um watching that and it just it it like took what good vibes i had and it just threw them into the garbage 
And really? I, I was, I was snippy. I snapped at people. One, one Snips. student of mine, like didn't know how to do an email. And then I was like, what? Um, and it, I mean, it, I had some more colorful language and actions than that, but Uh-oh. it was gut wrenching. And I mean, they did a really good job. Like, um, you know, in part one journey to Tython, they show oh the positive interactions that they have that, dr- that, that, that flying, uh, on onto- yeah, let's, uh, there are a lot of dumb names in the show and that's, that's, that's one of the worst things. Um, <laughs> but anyway, when he's flying with Grogu up to the mountain, mm-hmm. I mean, one, you could just see that that's a commercial for Disney plus like <laughs> him flying down, um, a hundred percent, but just it, 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 you could tell, I mean, when they, when they title the episode tragedy, you know, it's not going to turn out well. And so I, I you have that say, in your, yeah, you have that I in have- your stomach, you have that in your stomach. I had a very negative reaction to that title popping up. Yeah. Cause it's, they don't even, even on Disney plus once the episode is there, they still only say, you know, chapter. chapter 14. Yeah. And then you only, you have to, once you start the episode up, you see the, the tragedy. Yeah. I was, and of course, little did we know it was just that the firefly got blown up, but and- it's, it's really interesting to me that you are as distressed as you are. Um, and I like that you compared it to Infinity War because I think it, it it's it's a good comparison. But like to me, Infinity War also made me um, very distressed, even though I knew the inevitability of what would happen. And like I've read the Infinity Gauntlet, and I, not that that was what the story was, but it was very obvious that um, the tragedy that occurs within that movie would probably repair itself just fine. But to me in infinity war, it wasn't so much, um, what had happened and that it was irreparable or maybe irreparable as it was the reactions of the characters within that and their devastation. And my empathy for that really distressed me. I have to say, I didn't, I didn't leave this episode feeling devastated. I left this episode thinking like, oh, that was a great episode. But I don't have that rage that you're feeling right now. And I, I wonder if it's because it's Star Wars and so I don't expect it to get wildly dark without me knowing. Like you think about the, the most upsetting thing that happens over the course of the history of Star Wars is like Order 66 and Anakin turning to dark side, but that's something you and I grew up knowing happened. Like we saw the end of that first. So to my mm-hmm. mind, like star Wars, I can't think of a time that star Wars has ever done something devastating and it came totally out of left field. So I guess in the back of my head, I'm like, well, yeah, but obviously it'll be fine. I don't actually know that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I really didn't, I'm, I'm, your, your reaction is interesting to me because it's it's very different from my own. Well, it's also to your point of the characters bring you in and it's the character's mm-hmm. reaction. I don't know if this is a knock on Pedro, um, but Mando doesn't have the reaction that I thought he would have. You know, he goes and grabs the spear and then he's like, hey, you two, um, I guess you can get out of here, even though he has no way to get off the planet unless he goes mm-hmm. on Slave 1, um, which, what? Um, very cool to yeah. me. 
Um, I saw some people on Twitter being like, why didn't Slave 1 take on the ship, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, Slave 1 is older than the Razor Crest. Yeah. So how that ship wasn't oh. shot out of the sky or survived anything was like mm-hmm. a miracle. Also, how yeah. he still has Slave 1 is a miracle. Um, he ha- yeah. he, he well, keeps his ship, but he doesn't keep his armor, whatever. That is a great question, but I guess maybe Slave 1 has really intense defense protocols or something. But yeah, because there's, not to get off on a huge tangent here, but uh, I like to think about, like, to my mind, over the course of all of Star Wars Mythos, there's certain things that are lingering that I'm like, I can't wait to find out about that one day. Like, to me, one example I talked about with a friend recently is, like, Commander Cody, whatever happened to him. But a big one is that when last you you see Slave 1 is in Episode 2, but it's also in the Clone Wars. And when last you see Slave 1 in Clone Wars, it crashes and explodes. Okay. And then you don't you don't see it again until Empire. And you also never see it. And, you know, we, we go to Mandalore. You never see any, like, typings of it, um, of Slave 1. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, because then I guess you like you never see exactly the Millennium Falcon either. You see like comp, but they don't go to Corellia. Well, no, um, sorry, they do in Solo, obviously. Right, yeah. right. But okay. they're building by then they're building Imperial ships. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, I could, I could see, I could see. Speaking of art of books, like concept artists not wanting to get too close to that because it's such an iconic design. But yeah, I don't know. So one one of the things I have in the back of my head is like, well, how'd they fix that up or how'd that happen? But I guess it's a pretty boring question. You probably don't want to spend a bunch of valuable Star Wars real estate explaining how Hondo Anaka patched up Slave One. Let's talk about the Four Stone and yeah. how it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and it was also infuriating that nobody came to help him and it was so cool. And I loved every minute of it, of him getting Mm -hmm. blown back and Mm -hmm. Grogu going, you know, full Saiyan mode, um, reaching out, reaching out to people or whatever. I don't know how that worked, but very, Mm -hmm. very, very, very cool. Yeah. I've got two things on that. Um, one, the boring or one of them, I guess, is like after watching Disney Gallery Mandalorian, like the making of the Mandalorian and learning about the volume, the room that they film a lot of this stuff. Right. In, a lot of times when there's new sets shown in the back of my head, and this is not a knock. I think this more just speaks to who I am as a viewer and what I enjoy about Star Wars. Like I'll look at a scene and be like, oh, OK, so how would this work in the volume? And like how is this laid out and what's the actual set and what's the led stuff. And I got to tell you that set with the stone just seems like, how can we make this as easy as possible for the volume? Like just a big circle. And then it's on top of a mountain. So all we really have to do is just show sky. And then we just make a big circle rock in the middle of it. Uh, and it felt like a set that was just like the volume was born for this. I mean, for all I know, I'm totally wrong. They built it on top of a mountain. But the other thing I want to point out about that stone is the Mandalorian being what it is, Ludwig Gordon's done such an incredible job with this score, but it's only last week, really, and a little bit in episode two, with chapter two, with the Mudhorn, that he's gotten to delve into the forcier parts of Star Wars music. Okay. And like in Michael Giacchino's score in Rogue One, with Chirrut Imwe, he gets to sort of play with 
a musical communication of what the force is. And I think this was Ludwig Gorenson's biggest moment in getting to be like, okay, what does the force sound like? Me as a composer, how am I going to communicate the force of the viewer? And he got to make music for that. And I thought he did a great job. I thought the music that played... It seemed unique. Well, Yanni really gets going. Yeah, it did. It did. It was not at all... Because um, I think Michael Giacchino, I really like what he did with the Guardians of the Wills and their music. But it is very evocative of John Williams' force theme, which is actually the Obi-Wan Kenobi theme, just saying. But, uh, I, and he... Gorenson took it in a totally different direction. But it fit. And it was, it was very cool. I thought he did a, an excellent job with that. Yeah, I um, loved all of it, and I knowing that the title of the episode is Tragedy, I was mm-hmm. horrified, and how he was had the jetpack up there. I'm like, oh, this isn't this isn't great. Um, let's talk about so the the purpose was for Grogu to a connect and accept the Force or not, right? Yeah, it was like Jedi um, Instagram. But it, it, he was making an account. Well, no, no, there's two things. It was unleashing power. Um, so his power was dormant, and it was there. Was that a thing? I don't recall that. Yeah, it was for him. To, it was it, that was that. I mean, maybe you can double check me or listeners double check me. There's two parts. One was call out to a master. Fail. Right. And then second was for... Well, you don't know that. Well, uh, I didn't see a master help Grogu when the Cylons from Battlestar Galactica came out of nowhere with their glistened water against the... You know what? So that was one. And then two, two is, I believe the purpose was for him to remember... Because everything, you know, memories were so blocked, it was so fuzzy, mm-hmm. and that was how mm-hmm. he was going to get back to his connection to the Force, which is what I think the end part, where he was throwing mm-hmm. those two dudes around, um, mm-hmm. seeming kind of evil, also seeming like it didn't right. really make a whole lot of sense, but that yeah. was the other purpose of it. Okay, yeah, see, because I don't, I don't totally agree with the unleashing the power thing when you first said it, but I, I think the stuff you just said is I, that makes sense to me actually. Yeah, and it, it kind of who'd have thunk I'd ever be dragging this into the discourse, but it echoes Cal Kestis and Jedi Fallen Order and that kind of arc and Sarah uh, Jund and this whole idea of Order sixty six being something that was deeply traumatic and troubling to people who survived it, and that it permanently or potentially permanently affected their connection to the and, so i i can i yeah that i could i could see that because i mean just to my memory ahsoka was like he can he can go to that seeing stone and he'll be able to choose a path and he'll be able to reach out to somebody who might hear him or whatever but so let's talk about who we want it to way. be okay i let's <laughs> i sebastian stan wanted to be sebastian stan yeah i have not heard anything i've not read anything I it's want it to be, be Sebastian Stan. It's going to be current day Ron Howard as Cal Kestis. I would like that too. Would I'll, you? I'll accept that as well. Um, I would go insane. If it was Cal Kestis? If it was Ron Howard playing Cal Kestis? <laughs> I just want somebody to help him. All right? Like, <laughs> I... Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, the Bendu. 
the Bendu? No. Yep. Um, <laughs> do oh, we I think, do we think? I, I definitely think it will happen. I think that's okay. going to be what episode eight is. I think episode seven is dealing with this imminent threat, and then the finale is like, oh wait, by the way, before this threat presented itself, uh, little baby Yoda called you know the operator and who did he get in touch with interesting okay but i guess there's i mean there's also plenty of potential that it could not be it, that it could be a negative influence with the force it could be the knights of freaking ren or something yeah 100 percent. i mean the, the the positive and negative i've always thought about this show is this is 15 years before episode seven no more than that this is 24 years before okay so 24 years before episode seven so Grogu has the potential to be part of the Jedi, get yattled off um, before Episode Seven starts, and right. you know everything falls apart. Blah blah blah. So there's still a chance for a semi happy ending and for things mm-hmm. to go. Um, is it, the, this show has a lot of expl- like Star Wars has a lot of explaining to do of Force characters that should have been in Episode Four, Five, and Six but weren't, you know, they've done their job of getting Ezra and Ahsoka out of the way. They still need to find a way that Cal Kestis is um, written out, which I yeah. assume will be in a, in video game form. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, not assume a hundred percent be, but um, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up. Just a real quick digression, I guess, from that is you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, they, every piece of, we keep getting content set during the rise of the empire in every piece of content introduces another surviving Jedi. And if you look at like clone wars and rebels uh, and resistance even as well, and the Mandalorian, these are all properties that within the star Wars universe are doing a great job of making everything seem bigger. So as the universe expands, it makes more and more sense. That's like, well, yeah, obviously not a hundred percent of them. And it's like, it's a big galaxy, but then you get, you know, your rise of Skywalker's being like, oh, but also just everyone has the same last name. And that makes the galaxy feel smaller. And so you have this like tug and pull between, you know, a huge galaxy where it makes sense. Like if you're like, how many Jedi were there? A few thousand? Then it's like, sure, it makes perfect sense that 12 were still alive during, but yeah, yeah, you make a good point. So, um, I'll I'll put my tinfoil hat on and then I'll take it off. Oh there is still one Star Wars show that has not been announced yet. It is the Sebastian Stan Mark Hamill Jedi Academy show. Okay, so <laughs> let's go encounter with Boba Fett and Shand. All right, that's um that's the second um synopsis all right we have 25 minutes left and we still have five points to go according to wikipedia oh man i forget about that well yeah that's because you're following wikipedia so get wikipedia so boba and yeah show up right and boba is rocking his preposterous little black robes looking like a weird hermit that we saw did you expect to see him again this season um insofar as a lot of times when you say something definitively the exact opposite happens and you you talked about mm-hmm. how Boba was a was a footnote last last week. So I'm mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, Boba's definitely back. Um, <laughs> it's 
it was interesting. I I didn't really like. I didn't. I wasn't like. Oh my gosh! Ah, whoa! Um, because I was mm-hmm. more like, what the hell are they doing here? Okay, like Grogu yeah. is doing something. Can you please like just hold on a little bit? And mm-hmm. it really didn't seem like they could. I had such a different vision of how this was all going to go down. Like I really just thought, okay, we're going to get two more monster episodes where they are end up doing like random nothings before we end up at this temple and that'll be the finale. And in my head, I was like, it's a mountain. It's going to end up being a gauntlet that the Mandalorian is going to have to go up and at the top of the gauntlet is going to be Gideon and they're going to have to fight and yada yada. Nope. Probably episode Freeze right eight. Through it. I mean, they're definitely fighting. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, that spear didn't survive for nothing. Yeah. I also want to point out this episode. I've been working on a theory lately that this episode really helps me bring up again. I keep forgetting to bring it up, but I don't know if casual viewers may not know, but Bo-Katan is older than Boba Fett. Like, yes. Sure. Like, Boba Fett was a child in the Clone Wars, and Bo-Katan was a grown woman. Yes. Um, and so it, it goes back to that old joke about like, oh man, Hugh McGregor became Alec Guinness in 19 years and wow, he must have aged really poorly. But it's like, well, where was Boba Fett when he aged so poorly? Oh, he's on Tatooine, just like Obi-Wan Kenobi. And so in my head canon, they're really establishing that like a defining characteristic of Tatooine is that it brutally ages anyone who steps foot on it which therefore leads me to believe that Pelimoto, favorite of the show, I think that's her name, played by yeah. uh, Amy Sedaris, is probably 19. <laughs> um, and Shmi was a teenage mom. Um, yep. So the Fennec stuff I liked. The the abs of steel I, I, thought, I find character. hilarious. I saw you tweeting um, about it. <laughs> I, I, thought it was, I thought it was all fine. Um, is the actor for Boba Fett, is he Maori or it's just the weapon? So he, all right. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Um, that the weapon that mm-hmm. he used, which was a Tuscan Raider, um, um, gaffy, gaffy stick, stick that is it. actually a Maori weapon, but they put, I but they put, that. yeah. Is that a thing? So that weapons, that weapon is real. Really? However, the pointy part is not real. So, mm-hmm. In reality, okay. the Maori weapon is that horrifying club. Um, it is not the mm. club and stab people to death. That's really cool. Interesting, because they really did play that sequence mm-hmm. up. Um, and so that's, let's that's talk about um, Ro- um, what Robert Rodriguez is that? Yes, the director. Um, very did a really really good job um, with the angles of you know going. Up, up, and then going down. Um, the episode was going of like by not having it completely aerial or just like at a level, it kind of enhanced the desperation yeah. of the episode, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like upon a second viewing, I really appreciated that it was on an incline, and that whole element of of the conflict did bring a lot to it. I will say, not not to 
besmirch anyone. But this is the first episode in a minute that I had no idea who the director was because Carl Withers outed that he directed episode, what, four? And then word on the street pre- seems pretty much definitive that Dave Filoni directed last week's episode. This week, I had no idea. And about halfway through this week's episode, I turned to Kristen and was like, I can't wait to find out who got the fantastic opportunity of directing this episode that directs itself. Because it's just like, you check your email and they're like, hey, we're going to give Boba Fett the first action sequence he's ever had, ever, and do you want to direct this? Like, wow. Talk about a gift. Well, especially since so many, like, the ages of these directors, right? They're in their 40s, 50s. Um, Maybe some of them are in their 30s, but I'm not 100% on that. So... Mm. Boba Fett is part is their Star Wars, right? Like they, yeah, for sure. You know, saw like their inclusion into their you know Star Wars fandom started four, five, six, and you know we see this mm-hmm. cool character it has this like dumb tube um, connected on the right arm, which doesn't make any sense. Um, as you know, our our guy Mando is showing, um, but it's. I mean, it's probably one of the coolest things to be asked is to direct Boba coming back. Um, let's talk about the, mm-hmm. the fight scenes. Um, Fennec can't miss. Stormtroopers can't hit. That's all very, um, <laughs> you know, on point. Um, yeah. I, I was thrilled to see that character back, but if you had given me a poll at the end of last season and it was like, okay, who's the of the characters you've seen this season, who do you most want to see again? Well, I would have said Gideon, I guess. But behind that, I would have been like Fennec. Uh, Ming-Na Wen's a, a, a great actress. She's very capable in like action well, scenes and stuff. Amy so Sedaris, then Ming-Na Wen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good point, good point. Uh, but also, if you'd given me a question of who is the character you least want to see again. <laughs> Bill Burr. No. Probably Mayfield. Honestly, no, it wouldn't be him. Because uh, I was thinking about this today. I was like, if I had to have one person from that miserable crew... That was just a bunch of after-school special bullies making Mandalorian's life miserable. If I had to have one of them back, who would it be? And it probably will would be Mayfield, but I cannot believe No, because it would be um, the big guy, just because he has um, his background in Star Wars uh, animation. So, oh, I love yeah. Clancy Brown. That, no, that character's awful. I, all of those characters. I mean, the Twi'leks are terrible. I mean, like, and <laughs> and just that whole part where they're like, oh, we're going to make fun of you. We're going to make you take your helmet off. We're going to poke your little cute little baby. We're just like, like oh, you have hobbies and you have some stuff you care for. Imagine. No. So that's that's going to be. Also, Mayfield should be canceled for doing that impression of a Gungan. Um, I would imagine that Gungans that. are part of the lowest level of like. Shouldn't matter. Shouldn't that that would be matter. my guess. That would be my guess in the Star Wars universe. And he's also a stormtrooper, so it's like there are very few. I mean, Finn, Phil, really Finn, Bill Burr, and then there's like um, mm-hmm. um, one in those aftermath books. Those are the three stormtroopers mm-hmm. I can come up with, and he is definitely the worst mm-hmm. by a mile. Mm-hmm. So um, we have. Um, I will say, speaking of the worst, we have some people being the best in this episode i was a little curious about the economics of all of this they really are just like we're not even going to pretend boba fett was a villain which is fine he's a bounty hunter that's whatever and he was like no i promised you this and i'm gonna do it 
makes no sense. He promised him, right, because Mando didn't give him his armor. He just got his armor. But similarly, you have Mando being like, look, Fennec, if we get out of this, I owe you. But I was like, well, didn't you kill the guy that attempted to murder her? Like, I don't know. I feel like you guys should be pretty even. But all these guys are just like, we're going to go above and beyond. You know what? I'm not going to do the bare minimum. I already, you know, maybe Mandalorian being shafted by those two New Republic X-Wing pilots on the ice planet was like, you know what? It's not enough to do the bare minimum on my deals anymore. But what what a what a bunch of consummate gentlemen going above and beyond for strangers. Yeah, the life debt stuff made no sense and is not backed in any Mandalorian um, lore <laughs> that's been explained to this point. And it's like, it's not even like, oh, they haven't, you know, done enough on Mandalorians. It's like, yeah, they have. So like, whatever. I mean, <laughs> you got to find some way to keep Boba Fett. That's the way they do it. I don't care. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Getting his armor back was funny for me because all season, my girlfriend has been commenting every time Mando leaves his ship, he just leaves the door <laughs> wide open. Like He never... Shut and he doesn't care. Like t- he lands on the planet. No, he lands on the planet to go meet Ahsoka. He opens up the back door, walks out, leaves. It's just wide open. And finally, like Chekhov's gun, it finally paid off. And Boba Fett was able to just walk in and take his armor. Um, his armor, also of note, we have it firmly established now that it's best car, which is interesting. It's very cool. But it ties back to another one of those dangling Star Wars threads, an abandoned episode or arc in Clone Wars that at Star Celebration Orlando, they showed animatics for, like unfinished animation, but they had all the voice okay. acting and everything. But there was going to be an arc with Boba Fett and Cad Bane. And in that arc, Boba Fett had Boba Fett armor. Like he was finally in proper Boba Fett armor. And they showed a scene from it that ended up being like a Wild West showdown between Cad Bane and Boba Fett. And the last shot of it was Boba Fett's helmet flying off. And that trademark ding in the helmet was from Cad Bane shooting. Hmm. Which is like, what the heck was Cad Bane shooting with? But that predates, as far as I know, Beskar and this whole idea that his armor is Beskar. But so it does then get the imagination going in. Because I know Dave Filoni will a lot of times talk about when he's writing stuff for like Rebels and stuff before the Siege of Mandalore aired, before that was episodes of Clone Wars, when he was writing Rebels, he made a comment of like, well, I know what happened in the Clone Wars and I know what we were working on and I still just pretend that that happened. To my mind, that stuff still happened and so I'm writing accordingly. So I wonder if within this continuity, if in the back of Dave Filoni's mind, he's still like, yeah, that ding is from Cad Bane and that happened. I don't know. Curious. Well, I don't know if we'll necessarily... You know what? We could easily get um, Boba and Bad Batch. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's a good point, depending on when that takes place. Well, I guess... So, no kidnapping yeah. Grogu, that's point four in Wikipedia. Um, it, it really upset me. Um, seeking... <laughs> no, point five, yeah, seeking clearly. an ally. Um, Stop! <laughs> the Dark Trooper? No. We're kind of a letdown. I don't have a lot of history with Dark Troopers. They're not something I care about. I I've watched Battlestar Galactica, so that's... Um... Yeah, pretty much. I've watched, speaking of Infinity War, just basically a bunch of Imperial Iron Mans coming down. They, I thought that in the back of my head, I was like, oh, it's Stormtroopers. Eventually, the Dark Troopers are going to come, and they're just going to be like insurmountable. 
but they really were just like, we have rockets. You can't catch us. <laughs> I actually think that this is going to be very cool for if, when we see a Jedi, because they are, you know, you're able to do a lot more gruesome things to droids than you are with, you know, people because it's horrifying. So, um, we will, we'll probably see, you know, some Jedi mow down those, um, what are they? are not death troopers. Dark troopers. Dark troopers. Yeah. Sebastian Stan yeah. is going to do it as Luke. And he'll be like, Oh, come on guys. Uh, let's get along. My dad didn't want you to do this. Yeah. Also, I'm over the whistling bird. Well, man. it doesn't seem like he has many left. Hopefully. It, like, it's fine. Whatever. I'm over Why it. doesn't everybody have them? Granted, why doesn't he have the knee gun that Boba Fett has? That was cool. That was preposterous. <laughs> that was, I liked it. That whole sequence was good. It was very cool. And the second time I watched it, when I knew the knee gun was going to happen, I was like, okay, this is, this is great. But first of all, I was like, this is, this is performance. Well, I mean, it was... Um, yeah, go ahead. Also, another... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, another great showing from Ludwig Gorenson. Because, I mean, you think, like, about how iconic the Star Wars score is. But, like, up until recently, up until Solo, Han Solo didn't have his own music. There's the Han and Leia theme, of course, which is, which is great. But there was no Han Solo theme. So, like, John Williams composed a solo theme for the movie solo. And those are the two pieces within that score that he specifically did. Um, and then to think of this iconic character, Boba Fett, and he finally gets, he has a little motif in there, a little theme. Um, or I, I mean, it seemed pretty evident to me that it was the music that was associated with Boba Fett by, by Ludwig Gornson. And he did a great job. He knocked it out of the park. It was like very sinister, but and, and kind of like very competent, very much felt like hunting, like something hunting you, like something that was watching you and coming for you and it was going to get there. I don't know. I thought he did such a good job with that sequence. So the last two things I'd like to talk about are Slave One mm-hmm. going through the atmosphere to see that um, destroyer. It's not, a, it doesn't, it's not a destroyer. Oh, no, no, that Pete, Pete, that was just a spice. Food. Oh, right. Which, I mean, that also explains his age. Um, because the guy be spicing. <laughs> Hard yeah. Spice. And that's also yeah. just a, a sh- um, a message out there to our listeners. Drugs. Mm-hmm. Don't do spice. Wait, spice. Don't do spice. Drug? Um, the second one thing is, you know, they're quickly cutting through things so that they can get, you know, to the climax. I hope this Bill Burr stuff is like five minutes, but you know, checking oh, in with Cardoon and being like, I work here now, blah, blah, blah. All right, I've got these stars and stripes. I mean, I have rules, except when you say the word man, Alderaan. Or little Yanni. Um, so, hopefully she's there. Do you think Do you think she's going to be in the crew? Yeah. So that, I mean, that's a stacked... That's a, that is a stacked crew. Um, you got a yeah. four on four. Yeah. It does sort of feel like this is what the end of last season was also was gathering the crew. So they're setting, you know, game of Thrones is like every year, the, the second to last episode, that's the one. And like, they're now setting a precedent of like every year at the end of Mandalorian, he gets his little Avengers yeah, together. Yeah. And, and, um, not that I'm complaining. I'm, I'm, um, I don't know. It's it's just weird. Uh, it, as we come to the end mm. of 2020 with these two episodes, 
uh, it's going to mm. really affect my personality and how I feel and the energy I have. Which can only be great for me. Um, yeah. So. I got, you some got, you got some, you got a little bit of time left. All right. So hit me, hit me with the stuff. Let's, let's yeah, see these takes. I know. So let's take them in. Oh, now we're falling in order. Okay. Yeah. Um, the order within the things that I have to comment on a little smart, but uh, you have the dark troopers coming to take Grogu and they're, you know, jet propelled. They got jetpacks in their feet or whatever. And so it's this little boy being taken away essentially on jetpack, which is a motif throughout this show. You have the, ba- the flashback to Jenga Jumanji, Din Jarek, on his home world being saved right. by death watch and taken away by a man in a jetpack. And then at the end of season one, you have him taking baby Yoda away on a jetpack or at some point. Um, so that's just a motif throughout this show. And then now this time it's, it's inverted and it's a, it's a bad thing. He's not being taken away from distress. He's being taken towards distress in a very similar manner. So the, that recurring imagery, um, I found pretty compelling. We learn where Django Fett fits in in all of this, that he's a foundling. So I guess that implies that he is, he is a child yep. of the watch as well. I was speaking with a, with a friend of mine who's also a fan of, of Star Wars and watches Clone Wars and Rebels and all this stuff. And he and I were kind of wondering, like, before this episode, um, like of the origins of the Children of the Watch. And I guess I had just assumed, oh, this probably happens after the end of the Clone Wars, you know. But this sets it as something that happened much earlier. Granted, so the, the, the children we of the watch don't also, we, for all we know, foundlings could be what they call children and, you know, the other, the other group that's, as well. That's fair. But the yeah, no, I, th- I think, think that you're, you're probably more correct than I am, but, um, it's just mm. something worth noting. But yeah, it was, that was, that was interesting. I, I, I thought that that was a, a perfectly fine way of fitting in Jango Fett to what we know about Mandalorians. It doesn't contradict anything we learned in The Mandalorian. It doesn't contradict anything we learned in Clone Wars. It makes sense that Minister Almec would call Jango Fett a terrorist because at that point, you know, the Mandalorian Civil War that they talk about is over and you have right. peacekeepers and you have Death Watch on, on Concordia or whatever. So that all made sense. Um, the last thing I wanted to point out was at the very end of the episode when you have Moff Gideon's confrontation with Grogu, where Giancarlo Esposito just knocked that out of the park. It was just like I was laughing out of appreciation, I guess, of just how so sinister he was. And like, like you hear all these actors talking about like, Oh my God, it was so great. I got to have a scene with baby Yoda. And it was all like, my heart melted and dark. Zito finally gets to see what baby Yoda. And he just has to just eat this puppet alive and take this thing that like all of culture holds dear. Sha- shackle it. Menace the heck out of it. Like nobody's business. I'll, like take out a knife and brandish it in front of America's sweetheart. Um, and just wow, he knocked it out of the park. And it's cool that he did also because I was thinking about it. And uh, being the captor is like a rite of passage for Star Wars villains. You know, very early, like right away in, in A New Hope, Darth mm-hmm. Vader holds Leia captive. And we get a scene of him intimidating her. Force Awakens, we have Kylo Ren holding Rey captive. We have a really captivating scene between the two of them there. 
So he he joins the ranks of former iconic Star Wars villains in that scene, and he does not disappoint. He did such a good job in that scene, and you believe him too. Like he, I, he's just he's so menacing to a puppet. And I guess in my mind, it's like I have to imagine it's easier if you're an actor putting yourself in the shoes of the actor. I guess it feels like it's easier to act affectionate towards a puppet that you know is not real, but to come into a room with a puppet that is not real and to intimidate it just seems like such a challenge. I don't know if I could intimidate a puppet and I'm a great well, The actor. other thing is, so it also off. goes perfectly in line with this character because in season one, he kills Werner Herzog when he, you know, sh- um, coldlessly, mm-hmm. Another famous puppet. Um, the guy from Bosch tells him to kill himself so that ship doesn't get taken. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. all, you know, watch, watching Grogu Bosch, just like, you know, cause multiple hairline fractures to two stormtroopers, which he cannot spare. Mm-hmm. All right. They're not, there's not more of them coming. Um, Good yet. point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one comment I have, um, which somebody told me, Apparently, the the butterflies that Grogu plays with are the same type that there's some Star Wars cartoon of little Ben Solo um, goes with Han and Chewie to do butterfly smuggling. And it's like a little mini short. Um, So there's some Ben Solo connection to this for those Rayla fans. Interesting. Is that a uh, Forces of Destiny? Galaxy, Galaxy Adventure, Adventure I believe. Feel? Because Forces of Destiny is female characters. Okay. Yep. Right. All right. So, Josh, right. Um, hit us hmm. with an outro. Uh, lastly, big outro. I want to tip my hat to Katie O'Brien, I believe is her name. She plays the comms officer. She seems to be like the second in command on Moff Gideon's ship. She popped up at the end of last week and she's in this week. I don't know. I yeah, find and she's compelling. She's like another compelling background star. She's been she's like, been in some other um Disney like related projects. She was in Agents of Shield. Um she played a villain. She's she's yeah. um played villains mostly, but she does a good job. Um Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um I'll hit you with this outro. Don't make the same mistake that I think someone did. Someone told me that they were emailing us. And I don't see an email in our inbox when last I checked. So don't make that same mistake, guys. If you are trying to get in touch with us and tell us how good a job we're doing. I mean, guys, we've got a minute and 30 seconds left on the clock. We're going to hit it like freaking clockwork. This episode was so good. Our analysis was on point. I bought that book on the air. We're knocking out of the freaking park. Do you want to tell us about that? Publishpodcast at gmail.com. At Poe Voice Podcast on Twitter. Smash that subscribe button. All right.